Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Truth Matters. We're connecting you to the voices of Veritas Baptist College. I'm your host, J. Michael Lester, and I want to invite you to follow us to find encouraging words, engaging interviews, and educational resources. If you find us helpful, I hope you'll share us with your friends as well. And now, here's today's episode. Hey, Veritas, this is Noel Swinner with Gospel Light Baptist Church in Rogers, Arkansas. Thank you for letting me be a part of your chapel time today. I I count it a privilege and an honor. I encourage you to continue to plug away in your studies. Uh, The Lord is growing you and equipping you for whatever it is that he has for your life. And I know Veritas will help you do that to be and to fulfill all that God has for you. Our study today comes from the book of Psalms. It's really on the topic of stress. You know, the word stress or stressful really more is a 20th century term. The stress has always been around since sin came into the world. But doesn't it seem like stress is growing exponentially in the world we live? You got to deal with it in your own life and you're going to deal with it in your marriages and your children and and in ministry. We've got to get help ourselves in dealing with stress so that we can take it out the door and help others who have stress in their life as well. And of course, the answer comes from the Bible. I trust today will be a help to you and encouragement to you. I'll pray as you watch this service that God will use it in your life and use it to help others as well. Keep on keeping on for the Lord. God bless you and have a great semester. Thank you. If you open up your Bibles to Psalms 37 tonight, my voice is a little raw. It is not the men in the sound booth's fault or the ladies in the sound booth. It is my fault. I went with the teenagers some on Sunday night. And I dominated them in broomball at the Jones Center, and I did holler just a little bit, and so my voice is about shot. Yes, my team did win. Who is on the Lord's side? Amen? And so, praise the Lord for that. Psalms 37, if you found your place, so we're going to stand to your feet. We're going to read very briefly. I don't have a lot of time, but we're going to jump in. I'm going to give you a lot of stuff real quick. Very practical living for us here in Psalms 37. So let's pick up in verse number one if we can. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou find favor, or so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Everybody likes the second half of that verse, but not many practice the first part of the verse. Verse number five, commit thy way into the Lord, to the Lord and trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Father, tonight, Lord, thank you for already meeting with us. Would you speak to us now through your word, and we'll thank you for that. We need to hear from you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We find here in Psalms 37, and really it's it's a psalm that I would put into the category of Psalms like 49 and Psalms 73. Uh, These are psalms, if you will, that uh, the psalmist is is voicing frustration. He's uh, voicing stress, agitation, because of wickedness around him. And if you desire to follow the Lord and serve the Lord, if you desire to live righteously in a wicked day, at times you're going to get 
agitated, frustrated with wickedness that's growing and abounding around us. You're going to get that way at work. Unless you work by yourself or something like that or for yourself. If you've got to work in the world, you, you're, you see it every day. You're living it with people and your neighborhoods all around us. And so the Lord uh, gives us, if you will, some, so, something not to do before he gives us some things to do that are here. He starts off in verse 1 with this first word, fret not. Fret not, we'll begin to take a Greek word from there. It really means to, to not grow hot. Fret means it's like a building up of something, like a heat beginning to slowly boil. And what happens with some of us is we're dealing in the world and we're dealing in these days, it's like little by little, day by day, after a while, the agitation begins to grow. It begins to wax hot and our frustration, our, our fretting uh, begins to build up. And, and as we wait for the Lord's return, this is only going to get greater for us. I like that verse there in Daniel, I think it's chapter 7. It's dealing with some end times things. And it talks about, and I think it's once again, the context is talking about tribulation. But, but the Bible talks about that, that the devil likes to wear out the saints. You ever get worn out by this old world? He says, fret not. He, he warns us to not fret not thyself because of evildoers Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. He says, don't get hot. Don't get worried about them. Don't get stressed by these people. Don't get obsessed by these people. And don't get distressed by these people. And if you're not careful, and I, I see this amongst believers as well. I felt a little bit of it Tuesday afternoon and evening in my own life. We uh, look at the world around us. We hear of things that are happening in our world. We see things that are going on in our news or read them in the news. And, and all of a sudden, Christians, we're agitated. We're stressed. We're obsessed with stuff that's going on in this world. We're distressed of it. But the Lord says to us, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Now, sometimes we, we hear that and it's kind of like saying to us, don't worry about it. Somebody ever told you not to worry about something? You're like, yeah, whatever. Thanks a lot. Okay, just because you said don't worry about it, it's all gone now. Thank you so very much. You're a blessing. It's easy to say that. It's easy to hear that. But it's hard to live that. Stress not. Don't worry about it. Now, the, 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 the whole crux of not worrying about something and stressing something is our confidence in who says it. If, if, listen, if so, I, I, growing up at times, have said stuff, I'd say to my mom and my dad, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I got this. And my dad would go, yeah, sure you got this. Come, right? Right? I remember a friend uh, years ago, it was in the 80s, back in the good old 80s, and, uh, and so his mom and dad had got a flight ticket originally, and they were flying like out of Kansas City. And so uh, the son said to his dad, Dad, can I go? He said, well, the ticket's already in your mom's name. I don't have time to get a change. He said, don't worry about it, Dad. Just get me to the airport, and I'll get on the plane. It'll all be okay. He said, son, it's in your mother's name. Her name was Betty. He says, it says Betty, son. He goes, no, 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 don't worry about it, Dad. Just trust me. He said, well, look, you're 16, 17. If we get all the way to Kansas City and, and you get stuck, I'm flying out, and you've got to figure your own way out to get home. He said, don't worry about it, Dad. So he went up to the counter. He said, my name's Eddie, but they put Betty on the ticket. And they go, oh, let us fix that for you. And his dad said, yeah, don't worry about it. Now, when your child tells you don't worry about it, usually we worry about it. Why? Because sometimes our expectation is a little lower. But when God says, don't fret, 
When God says, don't worry about it, and you worry about it, it shows that we esteem him very little. Is that a true statement? If you're somewhere, you're at a restaurant, you're somewhere in a store, and there's an error with something you purchased or whatever, something on your receipt, and the manager says, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. If you feel like it's someone with authority and we are confident they can fix it, then we don't worry about it. But if we don't believe the person dealing with us has any authority or power, we don't let it go. We're going to keep worrying about it. True? So the Lord says, don't fret. He said, fret not thyself because of these evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. He tells us something that's going to happen, for they shall soon. You say, when's that going to be? Soon. Yeah, but when? Soon. You say, I know, but it's been a long time. When? Soon. You say, our timetable and God's timetable aren't the same, but trust me, it's going to be soon. He said, soon they're going to be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. So the Lord has given us, if you will, the, the context of what not to do, but this is what we're supposed to do on the other side. He tells us, he said, here's some things you're going to do. We have several things that are listed here. Let's maybe circle those in your Bible, underline them, come back and study a little bit more. The first thing he tells us in verse number three is trust. Trust in the Lord. He said, look, don't fret, trust me. Don't fret, trust me. Once again, that's all contentious, uh, contention, uh, contentioning, you know what I mean? It's a long day. This is all built upon the fact of who's doing the talking. I cannot fret if I trust in the right person. If I'm trusting in flesh, I still fret. If I can trust in God, who has impeccable character, who has never lied, who's always right, and he always wins, if he says, don't fret, trust in me, then that's what I'm supposed to do. So I'm laying down fret. I'm laying down distress. I'm laying down stress. I'm laying down obsession with something. That's what fretting is. It's waxing hot, and I'm going to trust. Here's the next thing he says also in verse 3, and do good. Quit worrying about this. Trust me and keep doing right. Do the next thing. Now, when you and I get worried and stressed about something else happening, we get distracted from doing something else because we're worried about this thing over here. Does that make sense? We're so worried about this one thing, we're neglecting something else. And when I get obsessed with the world, and I get obsessed with wickedness, and I get obsessed with everything going on in our world, our government, all these things, when it overwhelms me and I get obsessed with that, I promise you I'm not trusting God. And the second thing is, is I'm ceasing to do good. You can't do good very well and be stressed at the same time. You are walking away from that next thing which is good. Go back and do what you know to do. Do what's right. Keep doing well. Keep serving God. Keep giving the gospel. Keep living godly. Keep impacting your family. Keep pouring truth into your spouse. Keep pouring truth into your children. Keep making a difference. Keep being salt. Keep being light. Just do the next thing. Don't worry about all that part that you can't control. Do what you can control. Trust God. Do good. You say, that sounds simple, because it is simple. Trust God, do good. Hard to live, but it's a simple truth. I read about uh, uh, Truman when he was leaving the White House after his presidential term, and a reporter asked Truman, he said, what's the first thing you do when you leave the White House and you get home? What's the first thing you're going to do when you get home? 
He thought for a second. He said, well, I guess I'll take the suitcase up to the attic. Let that sink in. He said, well, that's kind of dumb. No, it's not. He said, what's the next thing you're going to do when you get home? I'll probably put the suitcase up. Why? Because I'm not going to need it. You say, I don't, this doesn't make sense. It makes perfect sense. Then what are you going to do with your life when you get home? What are you going to do as a former president? Are you going to start this and that? Well, I'm probably going to put the suitcase up. You see, what's going to happen with this in the world? What's going to happen with this evil stuff over here? What's going to happen with this? You know, I don't know. But you know what? Your trash still needs to be taken out. Right? You still need to read your Bible. You know, you still have a lost person. You still have to work and pay your bills. You still have to teach your children. It's still time for devotion. It's still time to love your neighbor. It's still time to reach people around the world with missions. Just go ahead and put your suitcase up. That's the next thing we ought to do. So we trust him and we do good. Let's go a little farther. Verse number four. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Here's the next thing. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Now, if you're obsessing with something that's negative, you're not, you're not, if you will, delighting yourself in that thing which is good and righteous and holy. You know, if you, you know this about driving, <clears throat> I got to tell this story, I hope it's okay. One of my children, when he first learned to drive, we were driving down the road in a big F-150 that took about half a block to turn, right, the power steering lack of. And so we were there, and all of a sudden, as we were, we were driving down the road, and this kid looked right at us and made eye contact with me, and he just booted the ball right in the middle of the road. Well, you know, something kind of reared up on the inside of me. I said, don't stop and let him run out and get that. You just keep on driving down the road. I said, just kind of straddle that ball, and uh, we're going to keep on going. And so anyways, we went up, and here's the kid watching us. He's giving me the evil eye. I'm giving him the evil eye back in the name of the Lord. And, uh, and so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we ran. Instead of straddling that ball, boom, we ran over the ball. <laughs> oh, why is that? Because my new driver was actually focusing on the ball. And you know what happens when you stare at something while you're driving? You're going where you're looking at. I only have two children. You can figure it out later. <laughs> if you're staring at the evil workers, you'll fret. If you stare at the Lord, you'll delight. Do good. Put your suitcase up. Delight yourself in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Got a couple more real quick. Flip over. I accept. Turn the page. Verse number five for me. Uh, verse number five, the Bible says, commit thy way unto the Lord. You say, evil's going on. I know. Just go ahead and decide you're going to do right. Even though evil is rampant and loud in our world, just decide you're going to do right. I think about Daniel. Daniel had gone to his window. He opened him up towards Jerusalem, and he prayed. And all of a sudden, here comes Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, the things are written on there. So what does Daniel do? He goes up, and he opens his windows. He did a four time, and he prayed again. Why? Because his ways were already committed to the Lord. He wasn't worried about what the king wrote. He wasn't worried about the other evil men that were in power. All he did, because he was focused on God, his words, his works were committed to the Lord. He just decided, I'm going to do right. I'm just going to do the next right thing. I'm going to, I've already decided, I've committed my ways. That is a decision. That's not an emotion. 
And we need to make a decision. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So many of us wait for an emotion to make a decision, and we'll let that follow our emotion. No, my friend, forget the emotion. Decide now, I'm going to do right. Decide now, I'm going to be pure. Decide now, I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. Decide now, these are things I will not do. Decide now, these are things I will do. Commit thy works unto the Lord. Number seven, lastly this. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently on him. Rest. I think the resting doesn't happen if you're fretting. The resting can only happen after you trust. The resting really only happens after you focus on him and begin to delight. The resting comes after you've already made the decisions to commit your your works unto the Lord. And when everything is already settled, I'm following God. When I've already got my focus back on the Lord, when I'm delighted in his presence and I'm not focused on the evil that's there, you know what it allows me to do? It allows me to go, I'm okay. Because it's okay. You say, it's not okay. Have you looked around? It's okay because he said it's okay. And he's okay. And if he's okay, and he said it's okay, and I'm going to do what he says, and I'm looking at him, I'm not looking at them, I can enjoy the rest. You see, one's view, and we go back to verse number two. And I think the theme, whether it's Psalms 49, 73, or 37, verse two, for they shall soon be cut down. God will take care of stuff in time. One's view of the future largely determines Present decisions and attitudes. Let me say that again. One's view of the future largely determines present decisions and attitudes. If you don't believe God will come through, it's going to affect your attitude and your decision today. If you don't believe that God is faithful, if you don't believe he's going to deal with the unjust, if you don't believe he's going to reward the just, if you don't believe at the end righteousness will win, if you don't believe that God will take care of it, if you don't believe that God is faithful, if you don't believe that God will honor his word, if you don't believe it's worth paying your price to follow God, if you don't believe that doing right, God won't bless you, then it will affect your attitude and your decision making in a negative way. But if you believe God is faithful and you believe he's true and you believe he's powerful and you believe he's just and you know that it'll affect your attitude in a positive way and your decisions will be committed in your works unto him. Let me read you one story. We're done. It's rather kind of an amusing story about a man named Moffat Burris. He was South Carolina and he was captain serving in part of the 82nd Airborne in World War II. In 1945, German resistance was crumbling and American forces were pressing on. But they were at a moment, they, at that moment, they were stopped uh, on the west bank of the, it looks like Elbe or Elbe River. But Burris was itchy over wading around. And so he lured a couple of other soldiers to hop in a jeep with them to see what they could find out. They drove for 40 miles without seeing any signs of a German army. Then when they, they rounded a curve, they met a long line of German vehicles. The jeep stopped, the Germans stopped. A German captain asked Burris, what do you want? He said, I'm here to accept your unconditional surrender. The German was not pleased. Behind him were hundreds of tanks and trucks and several thousand troops. In front of the the Germans were three men in a jeep. 
He suggested that Burris must be insane. Burris replied, not at all. I got a whole army of paratroopers and tanks behind me, and you got the Russians closing in behind you. Do you want to surrender to me or to the Russians? It was a deliberation that took place, and then finally the lieutenant general of the German army went back with him over 40 miles in the jeep to the regiment headquarters to arrange formalities of surrender. Several thousand troops surrendered to three GIs. See, it must have been a matter of perspective. You see? Perspective is this. You know what's coming behind us? Mmm, the trump of God's going to sound. You know what's coming behind us? The dead in Christ are going to rise. You know what's coming behind us? We that are alive and remain will be called to meet him in the air. You know what's coming behind us? The seven years of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a marriage supper of the Lamb. You know what's coming behind us? Oh, he's going to say, get on the white horses because we're coming back. You know what's going to happen after that? He's going to come back, and he's going to come back, and he's going to rule and reign. He's going to take care of those enemies of Israel. He's going to establish his kingdom. There's going to be a, out of Jerusalem, it'll flow, and we're going to rule and reign with him, and forever I will be. With the one who died for me, what a day, glorious day that will be. The perspective is he's coming and we win. You see, that gives me rest. I can go ahead and commit my works unto him. I can go ahead and delight in him. Why? Because we know what's happened. They shall soon be cut down as grass. Don't get obsessed. Don't get stressed. Don't get distressed. Because we know our Lord is in control. And we know he wins. And we know he's faithful. So let's just go ahead and do good. Go ahead and put your suitcase up. Let's just go ahead and spend some time delighting in him. Let's just keep doing the next right thing that we know to do. Let's just keep focused on him, trusting in him, delighting in him, committing our ways to him. So that when we pillow our head at night, we can go, and we truly can rest in him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As our pianist comes, Lord, thank you tonight that we know the end. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you that we can be free in you. God, we thank you for the fact that one day all this world will surrender to you, Lord. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. In just a moment, the piano will begin to play. And I just want to give just a, a, a first or two of invitation for you right there to deal with God and, and say, Lord, help me to get my eyes off of all this stuff. It's not that we don't acknowledge it or we're ignorant of it. It's that I cannot live fretting. I cannot live in a place of fretting over evil. And that's what happened to me on a personal level Tuesday afternoon and evening. I got fretting over evil. I just got overwhelmed in the darkness. I went and sat in my office, and, and I just felt that cloud over me. And I thought, man, God, I hate this. Lord, I, I don't like this, Lord. I, I, I want to I go home, God. I want to be with you. I'm ready for your kingdom on earth, God. I want to be in your presence. But all of a sudden, I had to quit fretting. I had to quit obsessing, stressing, and, and begin to look at him and begin to delight in him, to begin to get my focus back on him. Oh, Lord, I'm just going to keep doing right, God. I'm going to keep serving you. I'm going to commit my ways unto you. I'd be right there where you are. You would say, Lord, help me to get my eyes off the evil and get my eyes on you.